0: welcome to this episode of the down the pull podcast it's another happy one because we're coming off the back of our fifth win at home which is kind of incredible uh I had to watch from home because the game got delayed onto the Sunday uh but our roving reporter Gary Griffiths was there so uh how's things going Gary how did you um how's the atmosphere at the game uh, especially after what happened on
1: Friday and and Saturday with the with the, with the weather personally I'm very good because just prior to coming on this call I looked on Twitter and I saw that the Tottenham owner Joe Lewis has yeah. just been done for <laughs> inside, <laughs> inside, of or inside of trading so that okay. was excellent that was excellent news uh, to start I, my evening with
0: I, 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 I can honestly say I'm pretty happy about it because like <laughs> we're the only club that could have a billionaire owner who doesn't spend any money on the fucking club so uh <laughs> it's yeah, yeah apparently he's worth 4.5 billion uh, I read up a little bit in the story, and he—he uh, he was given insider tips to pilots, his lovers. <laughs> he's 85 or something like that. And yeah, he's a lover, so,
1: His lovers, plural. Yeah,
0: that, that, yeah, so that's how he was like—he was that, that was his way of sharing gifts on them was to give them insider trading tips for uh
1: <laughs> Well, <laughs> yeah. I, I personally, I think that club has the owner it deserves.
0: Well, it wasn't so long ago until you guys were fucking bitching and moaning about who you had. You're trying to get.
1: we had had Raul Sanlehi, and he he wasn't the owner but he was like in charge of transfers and stuff and you even now you listen to any of like the Arsenal podcasts are a bit in the know talking about that period and they always like make little jokes about we can't really say anything about him because he will sue us like he was so bad that he even like kind of contacted the bloggers and the podcasters and stuff and like threatened him with legal action if they shit on him too much so uh, yeah we, we had it really bad we had it really bad
0: wow uh, like at that level that's that's absolutely mad um so be, before we get into sorry i know you're gonna tell us about the atmosphere and all that kind yep. of stuff. so we'll get into it in a second but first obviously podcast sponsored by Molson and uh they've hooked us up with some some drinks uh this week's tipple of choice we're back we're still on the ultra sliders, uh the 90 calorie ones last week i had mango the week before i had
1: the uh, mixed berry or something so this week um, so my memory mixed berry you weren't massively keen on but the mango one you had a little happy surprised yeah face, so. it,
0: it was actually pretty decent the, the mixed berry one was okay but the mango one was was pretty good and obviously it's another uh muggy day here in halifax so uh let's uh, that's the thing i don't like about cider you don't get that tss, 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 tss from a yeah. beer anyway it's, it does smell appley which coming yeah. from strongbow you think that would be a
1: a given, cedar Nights That's not bad either. Jesus, yes.
0: it's actually way nicer than regular strongwell. <laughs> oh, uh okay. <laughs> I just looked at the ingredients, and it just says cider flavors. <laughs> so <laughs> c- cider, cider comma flavors. So <laughs> <laughs> they, don't
1: have that, to, that's, that's, they
0: don't have to. tell you what
1: flavors yeah, they are. You yeah, just have to the, guess. You have to guess. It, it, it,
0: I wonder if it's like they've both... No, we're gonna get sacked if we do this. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really good actually. Um, yeah, it's really good. We've got the grounds. <laughs> Definitely check, check these out because it was hot, like it is today. Uh, this is actually a refreshing drink. It's kind of like it, it is pretty tasty. Yeah, and that's the plug done. So let's move on. Um, the atmosphere, as, as I mentioned, obviously like after the the terrible weather that we had Friday and Saturday. What was the atmosphere like at the grounds? Were, were people in good spirits? Um, was there any sort of any sign of rain damage what what
1: was it like yeah it was really good i i was i was a bit worried it might be a bit flat because when like obviously when something big happens to a place that's not very pleasant that can trickle down into the overall mood but football sport entertainment at its best is escapism and it's a chance to kind of leave the bad stuff at the door as much as possible so yeah atmosphere was really good i thought I, I i saw the attendance listed at i think it was 5900 but just like anecdotally from where i where i am in my section it, it was one of the rare games where there's actually people sat directly in front of us on the row in front of us and me and shep were like halfway through the game going like you know our back's hurting like my back was absolutely killing me because and we realized normally well we always stand for the entire game but normally we stand and have our feet on the, like the row in front of us, ah. and we actually had to stand like quite rigidly. So did my back in, to be honest. So I I thought it was going to be like an absolute sellout because it was really busy around my section, but yeah, I guess not. But yeah, atmosphere is really good. It's been really good for a long time now. It's it's like it's a very happy place to be, and I think like I don't think Twitter is always the best kind of reflection of how a fan base is feeling. But I, I always felt like the people around me and the conversations you have in the stadium, even when we weren't winning at the start of the season, people were really, really positive. And obviously when you look on Twitter and places like that, that that's not always reflected. But now even more so, like there's such a nice energy around the place at the moment. It feels like feels like one club, doesn't it? Like we're all just part of this big thing and we're all enjoying victories together. And it's got to the point now, and this is the most pleasing thing for me, where you know, we always talked about before like the PTSD and the hangover from the last few seasons and how like one little setback and everyone's like, Oh God, here we go again. I think like the team has built up enough kind of good grace now where even if even if in the next home game we lost 2-0, I don't think people would shit the bed. I don't think people would panic and go, Oh God, we're we'll shit again. i I, I really think like the team has built up enough kind of positive energy now where people would just go oh happens on to the next one and that i would say is the biggest win for the club to date
0: yeah i i think it's um it'd be interesting to see how we do away from home again i think that's where our little bump in the road is but um that's like, just from watching it on TV and stuff like that, the atmosphere looked incredible. And, like, off the back of some crazy shit happening weather-wise here again, I think it's a testament to the Wanderers and the way they're playing and also just the people of Nova Scotia that, you know, they're able to pick themselves up from the shittiest situations and go and put uh, all that behind them and just go and put a, a show on for the players. And, the, the, you know, like, I think we are talking... I think it was when they maybe after one of the games this year, and certainly like last year after the hurricane, and stuff for like that, like the, the, there was a really flat performance after one of the things that had happened. This was the opposite of that. This was exactly what we needed. It was a really good performance, and um, yeah, it was uh much needed after the the, the shit show of Friday and Saturday. So, mm-hmm. so kind of get, like just looking into the game itself, like uh, the, the team almost like picks itself now, doesn't it? I mean, like you've got you've got a couple of like little in and out kind of uh changes and like maybe that's just because of uh match manager like game management kind of for some of the players but you can almost pick like eight of the players that are going to start and it's kind of just you know like Callum Watson might come in or you know like uh um just kind of like the like fernandez and frat so just kind of a couple of like little things that change so uh in terms of how we lined up again. I saw one thing on one of the sites where they had Carl Watson as a 10. Did you think that's how we played or did, what way did you, did we kind of set
1: up? No, yeah, I think he was a 10. He was whatever. Again, I kind of go back and forth within our system. Is, is that an eight or a 10? Does it really matter? Is it just semantics? But yeah, very much so. And I thought he had, I thought him, uh, again, this is one of those things you notice when you're at the game. I thought him and Aiden Daniels were absolutely exceptional off the ball. I don't think either of them really affected the game that much on the ball, but they were exceptional off the ball. Like like how Water were playing, incredibly defensive, like no space between the lines, like two banks of four and then two up front, or even sometimes five for one. Um, there, there was kind of like hardly any room anywhere on the pitch. They just kind of let us have it and went, all right, just play in front of us. So for them both, to somehow manage to keep on finding little pockets of space was incredible. Like Aiden Daniels likes to find space between the lines, and Cal Watson kind of likes to find space beyond the lines. Like he he will make runs in behind to drag people out of space, and sorry, drag people out of position and create space. So yeah, I think he was a ten in terms of the overall lineup. I I agree with you. I think now we have we have a settled core. I'd say there's six or seven players who maybe even seven or eight players who if fit, will play every single game now um and i think we've been working towards this all season so early early on in the season it was kind of it was almost like a different it was almost like changing seven or eight players per game until kind of it's alchemy isn't it it's like messing about with what you've got like who's going to form a relationship with who who works well where um and now we've kind of I think we've got as close to a like a settled starting eleven as we'll ever get because I don't think Patrice and Jordan and Jed really want a settled starting eleven. They're like the big thing with Patrice when you hear him talking interviews is about being unpredictable, being difficult to scout. And if you have eleven players who get picked every week, you're easy to scout. Um, so I think that's what they're going for at the moment. I like, I like how over the past, I'd say six or seven games. We've, we've settled on a way of playing, which is with a double pivot in midfield. So it's Lorenzo plus Rampy or Lorenzo plus Omar. And if you think back to early on in the season, we'd invert a fallback into that central midfield space to form a double pivot. But I think we would often look vulnerable when we did that. And, I, and again, I've said this before, I think we'll go back to that at some point in the season because we have that option and we have that variety. But just the stability, the defensive stability that having an actual double pivot has given us is really important. And then we can still kind of control central areas of the pitch because Aidan Daniels just tucks in centrally from the right wing position. So instead of kind of seeding that wide space to invert someone in the defensive area of the pitch where you end up being a little bit vulnerable if your distances aren't perfect, we've done that in an attacking part of the pitch where... No problem if Aidan Daniel seeds that space because Zach Fernandez or whoever is right back is going to be charging into that space and playing as a right winger. So it's all working very well at the minute. Like the balance is really nice. The relationships are there, and yeah, it's um, it's an exciting time. We're we're having that double pivot of actually having um, Lorenzo plus
0: Omar plus Ramperside, whoever it's going to be. He he doesn't look to be as Paul Scully in terms of his tackling. Like I don't think he's picked up a yellow card in the last couple of games either. And I know he's kind of like on the the bubble of getting a suspension. So I think that's been a big part of it too because we're not that vulnerable and he doesn't feel the need that he needs to take somebody out to stop it, or whatever. And that kind of desperation of, of like I need to get a tackle in here or else we're going to be like in trouble. So I think that's definitely happening. And I kind of wanted just to uh just touch a little bit on uh Andre Rampersat because before he went to the, to the gold cup um, people were kind of questioning him like he was kind of being played some Mateo position um he he was definitely didn't seem the, the rampy that we all know and love kind of thing so he, it's he's changed so much I just wanted to get your thoughts on a like like what do you think has changed was it the break that, that he needed and how he's starting to develop his relationship
1: with Lorenzo yeah, I don't think it was the break. I think it's just playing him in a position where he's far more comfortable. I think, I think he likes the idea of being more of a ten. I think any player does. Any player wants to be playing closer to the goal, and I think the coaching staff like the idea of it as well. Because if you kind of if you run through his attributes, then he's he's got all the tools to play that position really well. But I think as As the systems developed and we've kind of really identified roles within the team, more and more that person who plays as a ten is really an off the ball player. Like if you think about what our what like your eyes classic idea of a ten is, it's it's Hertz, or it's that sort of like magician. But I think with us, that player is a chaos player. Like they're supposed to drag defenders out of position. They're supposed to like make deep runs, runs in behind pull out wide their job is essentially to like they're like kind of massaging clay and pulling clay apart to like create spaces and create holes so someone like Rampy who is so good on the ball you're almost wasting him in that sort of position because you want him to be on the ball you want him to be like prodding and probing trying to play through the lines like his beautiful first touch to so like dink it past the player and I think he's probably and i can't speak for him but my my guess would be that he's reached a point now where he's like actually like I'm best suited to this team playing as a six playing as a double pivot with Lorenzo Lorenzo who can make anyone look good as well and yeah Rampy's gone from kind of almost looking like the weak link the first few weeks of the season to looking like one of our strongest players again and an incredibly important part of our spine and the real beauty to that as well is that we've really overplayed him over the last few years because he's been the only one doing it. But now we have Omar who can who can come in and do that job to the same level. So you can keep them both fresh, which is, which is really good news. Yeah. I
0: I, I think, um, like, I think it's also a good thing, like, like management wise, you know, like Patrice has, like seen that, you know, something wasn't quite right. He was asked him to like probably play something that he wasn't used to and he, i wouldn't say he wasn't getting it but it's just not his strong point i think it takes a lot of it takes a lot of bollocks to like ex- admit when you're when you're wrong like that you know especially mm-hmm. in your your first coaching gig you know what i mean so like, you got to respect the fact that you know he's changing he's changing things that maybe haven't been working um which i think is a sign of a really good coach that like you don't you have to keep Tinkering with stuff, you know what I mean? Because uh, as you said, like, I mean, when it comes to the scouting systems, like, if you keep playing the same way every week, like, they're just going to get way to it. But I must say though, like, I, I think you know, you look at some of the players that uh, Ottawa have, and it's a, it's a such a weird negative way. It it, it kind of they they just seem like a better version of what we were the last like last year towards the end of the season. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a, it's that kind of like really like dreary. Like, it's not very exciting to watch, is it? Like, I, you would expect how well they did last year and the players that they have, you know, that they would be a little bit more exciting to watch. And as you said, it was just like, you know, when we played them the last time, we just couldn't find a way through them. Like, they just sat back and blah, blah. blah. And I think because we've changed things around, we can play through that, that deep, deep line, uh, like, uh, system, you know, and if you're an Ottawa fan, like how happy would you be with the way that they're playing
1: i mean i mean i think i think it, it maybe it gets overplayed and overstated a little bit how negative they are week to week because they, i mean they have scored 24 goals i think that number is massively inflated by beating vancouver 5-1 but there's still a lot of there's still a lot of goals like so they're not like they're not always negative but when they 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 pick their moments and they pick their days And Sunday was absolutely one of those days. Like I've never seen, honestly, I've never seen an away team come to the grounds and play like that. Especially the first half, like there was literally zero ambition, zero ambition at all to to even like cross their half. They weren't pressing us. They were just sitting in with their three banks. Like they normally like kind of 4-4-2 defensive shape, low block, no space between the lines. And they just sat there and went, and play for us if you make a mistake we might kind of half-ass a counter-attack in transition and try and score which is kind of how they beat cavalry the other week isn't it yeah. um exactly the same way so i mean that, that's all that de- always a danger with them like as much as you look at that and go there's no threat there at all like you know they've beaten a lot of teams and they've, they've beaten us this season by doing the same thing so there is the threat but god if i honestly if i had to watch that football week in week out I just oh, it's so it's so turgid and so dull, and it's like they've got a Spanish coach. who got I know I know their Spanish influence is like a Diego Simeone sort of Spanish influence, which is kind of as negative as you can get. But like some of the players they've got, they should like I feel I always feel sorry for Oli Bassett. Like he's so talented, he's so good on the ball, and he's stuck like being a fucking water carrier and having to sit on Lorenzo <laughs> to try and disrupt him when he's got so much to offer and like yeah i mean they're just they're they're, i don't and again i'm saying like they're not like this week in week out but they pick games and the fact that they pick this game against us to kind of turn in that sort of performance is a massive mark of respect to what they think of us of how we play like they knew if they came out and tried to press us we could just pass through them and pass through the lines and absolutely destroy them so that's why they didn't do it because they kind of gambled on the fact that they could deal with us playing long balls which is what we'd have to revert to but little did they know Dan Nimick's wand of a right foot can kind of land one on a sixpence from 30 yards so but I'm sure we'll come to that just just on Ali Bassett there like I mean they were t- I think it was like
0: an hour in I think because uh, we were kind of mentioning in, in the commentary that he wasn't getting into the game he was trying to like especially like the start of the second half, he's trying to force things, I guess, because obviously they were behind and it just wasn't kind of clicking for him. And then he kind of, like, as with every good player, they might be playing crap for an hour and then they'll just kind of start coming into the game. And he did. But then I was surprised when they took him off because he looked like the, the player that was going to create something for them. And uh, when he was substituted, it was an odd decision. But...
1: Is is, is there only footballer? Is, is the, is the yep. only footballer they've got? Like Like Zapata probably as well, but he's... Smokes 40 a day and was gassed up for 15 minutes. Like, Bassett is the only football player they've got. They've just got a load of meatheads who shank long balls of their tusks and, like, then try and, like, win second balls and big headers. I'm, i like, it annoys me a little bit because like, I've got so much respect for Spanish football and that sort of footballing heritage that, like, Sorry. It it is kind of funny, but um that's enough of Ottawa. I don't want like, to
0: kind of give them any more thoughts, to be honest. Uh, I, I find I I yeah, I actually find them a little bit annoying,
1: but like I, I find that their fans are becoming a little bit annoying or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I had a, I had a mate in elementary school. Well, he wasn't really a mate, it was just this random weird kid in my class. And he he did this weird thing where you'd like if you were isolated one on one with him, if we were like seven, it'd go like you'd just be sitting there like playing with your toys or whatever and he'd go my dad's better than your dad and you'd be like <laughs> you, you just look at him and go alright for you, <laughs> you little weirdo eh? and <laughs> then like an hour later like you'd look over in the lunchroom and he'd be eating his fucking packet of crisps and there'd be another kid near him and you'd see him lean over and go my dad's better than your dad and like I feel like that with Otto like with Otto like how much they just want to tell everyone we've got the best fans we've got the best fans <laughs> we've got the best fans it's a bit like that like like Right, good, good for you if you think that like it's completely arbitrary like how what, what measurements are we using are we using attendance because then now nah, you haven't are you using like how loud it is no one's measuring that so
0: yeah yeah it's it is kind of funny like uh, like yeah uh like yeah let's not it's not wasting any more time on it. anyway <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh so I, I did want to talk a little bit about um our good friend wesley uh timateo I, I just this, this new role that he ha- has is uh, quite something. Like, I mean, this a lot of people were saying he should have been the man of the match on Sunday. I thought he had a really, really good game, re- really solid, and whatever Patrice has gotten into him, he's, like, turning into our Ashley Cole. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Yeah, so, uh, nah, just wanted, brilliant. I just want to get your opinion on uh, the, the, your thoughts on the game you had and um, how, how he's fitting into the, the system
1: the f- The first thing with that is, yeah, to go back to what we said earlier about how I think Patrice really wants a team to be difficult to scout. If you think, I feel, I feel like we say this every week, but if you think about our back four, two central defenders, one of our fullbacks plays essentially as a winger, and one of the fullbacks tucks in and plays more of a central defender who shuffles out there as well. If you look at who our fullbacks were on Sunday. They were Wesley Timoteo and Riley Ferrazzo. So if you were if you were, if you were putting money on which of those players is going to play essentially as a winger and which of them is going to play essentially as a central defender, you would say the other way around because you'd look at the profile of player and say, "Oh, Timoteo, yeah, he he plays as an attacking wide player a lot, so he's probably going to be the one that kind of shoots up the wing and does all the stuff in the attacking zones." Whereas Ferrazzo, historically with us, he's kind of inverted to be a central midfielder. He's obviously comfortable moving into central spaces. Therefore, he will probably be the central defender. But we didn't do that, which kind of surprised me a little bit. I guess it's because Di Matteo has been really growing into that sort of role. And he, again, was kind of the one that didn't really cross the halfway line. He had a couple of runs, but he didn't really cross halfway line. And he's never like trying to overlap the left winger that's not what that person does in our team so he essentially plays as the left back plays as the left center back occasionally kind of drives forward and he's learning he's learning the role so quickly like seeing seeing him learn it in real time has been it's been really joyful actually like I've really enjoyed seeing it like a player who I must admit when I I'm a big big fan of him but when I first saw him Doing that, I was like, "Oh God, I don't know if he's got the attributes to actually pull this off." But he's just week by week getting so much better at doing that. I think, I think he reads the game incredibly well. Like he's really good at anticipating a pass and just kind of jumping in there and poking it away from the guys marking. He's really, really good at that. He's really good at at spacing himself like next to his left centre back, so there's not too much space between them. Uh, and we know if we're trying to build from the back. He's technically really, really astute, so he can do that as well. Um, I think the only weakness, if there is one, I think, and it hasn't really happened yet, but I feel like he could be a bit vulnerable to back post crosses because he's not the tallest. So if you've got kind of a big centre forward and you want to avoid Kale Offer, you want to avoid Dan Nimick, you'd probably say to them, okay, just sit on the back post on on Wesley. But that's that's up to us to kind of, Stop that from ever happening. So, yeah, really, really impressive, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad he's getting his flowers because that's kind of an under, it's an underappreciated role what he does with the team, and he's doing it really well. Yeah, it's, it's like watching a mad science experiment, isn't
0: it? Like you know, like mm. I, I, I think I said like last week that the uh, the no, I would never expected this at the start of the season that that's where you've gone, and it's, I, I guess it's a kind of necessity, obviously with Ryan James kind of being out and he was our long coveted like proper left back um i they, they probably I, I would say probably tried a couple of people there and uh wesley was probably the one that probably stood out the most to patrice and jordan and they just went like okay like let's test it out and you know uh I, it's been it's been really good to watch as you said that progression and seeing how well he's doing on it. it's like uh yeah i really think he should have made the uh the
1: team of the week this week i was surprised that he didn't so the funny thing with him as well is like before, before he came back to us, the whole thing around him was like, Oh, he's incredibly versatile, but like, he's not playing in a position he's ever played before. So he's become even more versatile (laughs) because he like played as a left wing back. He played as like a right winger and a left winger with Edmonton. And we've just gone, "Uh, we're going to try you as like kind of a left back slash left, left center back. And you know, you know, with him, I always thought, I always kind of thought he would end up playing as a, 10 for us actually like I I felt like he had the attributes to be a decent number 10 because a kind of 10 who pulls out wide a lot to create space because we know he can look after the ball out wide I think he's good in small spaces so if I'd have put money on where he'd end up I'd have probably said there but no I, it's, it's I, I, I think
0: it's I think it's also a testament to how strong the squad is is that like you know like our one spot that we had we are having like we have an issue with Somebody's been able to fit in, and we're not missing his presence. As you said, he was like one of the best. He's probably one of the best players in the league last year. Mm. We, we're not missing his presence in the position that you would naturally expect him to be. Like I was just kind of like looking earlier on. I was kind of chuckling to myself, like like the bench that we had <laughs> on Sunday. Like uh, we had Zach Fernandez, Tiago Morelli, Daniel Henry, uh, Tiago Coimbra. Mowalumara, Thomas Geraldo, and uh, Russian
1: as the goalkeeper. That's a f- that's a very strong bench. Like I mean, like hey, I've not heard them read out like that. That is, I didn't clock that on Sunday. Yeah. That's Jesus. And, and and you just
0: think to yourself, like, like that's probably like the strongest bench that I think, like we we've definitely had. But I mean, it's probably one of the strongest benches in in the CPL right now. It's kind of crazy. Um, I mean, we still looked without those players like starting from the start. Like we still look really good. Um. But yeah, I, I kind of wanted to as well, just uh, you kind of mentioned the goal. and I, I don't want do to deal with the death because I'm sure everybody's watched it like 50 million times, but it was an incredible goal. But um, I, I just wanted to kind of talk a little bit about Dan Nimick and obviously that pass um the finish as well obviously and just get your thoughts on there was a comment that patrice made in the press conference i think afterwards where he was talking about dan nimick maybe getting a call up at some stage by canada which mm. like having interviewed him and and, and talked to the guy like he's like probably one of the most english people i think i've ever talked to in my entire life so it's kind of, you don't think of him in that kind of context because of that and like obviously he was born here and stuff um, but just
1: just your thoughts on uh, what Patrice was saying too. Yeah, maybe Canada's going to become like Jack Chelton's USA ninety-four <laughs> Island squad. <laughs> <laughs> oh god,
0: there's like one Irish person right keen
1: <laughs> Was it Jack Charlton or Bobby Charl- yeah. Jack- no, Jack no, Jack Charlton? Jack was It was Jack
0: Charlton. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was like literally like anybody is like if you drank a pint of Guinness, that's it. Give him a passport.
1: <laughs> I mean but I mean that's that's, I mean that's the Canada national team as it should be as well isn't it like it's a bit of a melting pot country so Um, but yeah no that's I I was I was quite surprised when I heard them comments I mean not surprised because I don't think he can because I think like like you and I have been massively like guiding him up all season haven't we like I feel like every week we talk about how good he is every five minutes I'm telling people that he'll be playing in MLS within a year like um, so I definitely I've always thought the talents there, but yeah, it's interesting because normally I th- I think that's probably like I don't know this, but I imagine Patrice is quite a good man manager, and part of that is knowing what makes your players tick. And I think if there was any any danger at all that that comment would go to Dan's head a bit and make him think like, hey up, I'm I'm a big deal here. Like I think if there was any danger of that happening, there's no way Patrice would have said that. But I think he knows that Dan Nimick is the kind of player who'll be motivated by that and will kind of think oh, that is a realistic target. I'm going to work twice as hard now because that's the prize at the end of it all. So yeah, that wouldn't that'd just be that'd just be wonderful if that happened. And I remember I remember interviewing Matt Fagan, and he I can't remember exactly what it was, but like when the club started, they kind of set out these targets they had as a club and one of the targets was to have someone in the 2026 World Cup squad who had played for Halifax Wanderers at some point in their career so I mean if your smart money is on someone it's probably on on Dan Nimick isn't it at this point Um, Uh, Yeah yeah,
0: I I think um, like obviously it's feasible because you're looking at like Joel Waterman uh, Latourie uh, you know, Sirwa, all, 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 all those kind of guys, like, th- like it, it's, it's been done. You know, people have gone to a World Cup and played in the CPL. So I, I definitely think it's, it's not like somebody just plucking something from the air and going like, yeah, this is a, a, magic wish. It's like it's definitely possible, and I, I think the CPL is definitely getting a lot more exposure off the back of that kind of stuff, and obviously Dom Zatwar as well. But I, I think one of the, the good things for him in terms of the the national team is having. The Neil Henry because you know if John Herdman gives him a call and says like hey what about this Nimikid? surely he's going to see that st- sort of performance and go like give him a shot you know like put him into a friendly squad put him into whatever is like Nations League whatever's happening kind of thing and just give him a shot like I think it's definitely plausible Um, but we also kind of have to stay a little bit grounded too because like you don't want to like put too much pressure on the guy because you know it's a uh, We've all seen that happen before. But I just think it was, it was just a phenomenal performance all around. He's just so calm, you know? Like, you'd never see him, like, panic. Uh Like, just the way he just is able to shepherd the ball out, like, like and time his tackles. Like, there was a couple of, like, sliding tackles he did. And it's really, like, when, when you're watching on TV, like, you can see what he's going to do because obviously you're looking down onto it. But it, it, it takes... It it takes a lot of skill to to know when to time a sliding tackle properly and, and stuff like that yeah. and um it, he, he's just so good at it he, and he knows when he's really good at knowing when to stay on his feet and when to to slide in so yeah he's
1: he's such a another, good player another good thing is and it made me realize within the squad as much as I think there is harmony there is also accountability because and this is this is like a really good thing for Nimic to learn from because there was a moment. I think it was a couple of minutes before the end of the first half. And I I say, I think, because as I said to you earlier, for some reason, Fubo messed up my recording. So I haven't been able to watch the game back. But I remember just before halftime, he really dilly-dallied with it in the corner. Like he could have cleared it a couple of times, but he turned, he turned again, he turned again. And I doubt this was caught up on camera because they were probably showing replays. But as soon as the ball went out of play... Rampy run over to him and went fucking mental at him. Like, with proper giving him a lot of, like, what the fuck was that? Like, you can't do that in this area of the pitch. You can't do that just before half time. Why didn't you clear it? The pass was on and stuff. And, and he, like, Dan, was, like, completely held his hands up. He knew he'd made that mistake. But it's really good that even for a player as good as him, who, let's face it, probably has the highest ceiling in the entire squad, even for someone like him to be held accountable when what he does isn't perfect is that's 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 a healthy that's a healthy squad environment when that happens it's definitely it's it's how you learn and i i I watched that back
0: uh because i remember from the game and there was a pass that was kind of on but was kind of risky and then he was kind of twisting and turning and and then gave it away but i I just i think it's as well as that because the squad is taught to play football um it sometimes you. like in your head you're like i can't just boot this into rosette as they say kind of thing mm-hmm. i can't just clear it it's kind of like i need to be able to play this out and get out of it and make sure we keep the ball uh, but like sometimes you do need to like just hoof the fucker and get, get it away from where it is kind of thing and especially because we're so prone to conceding like goals and halves it was uh it was definitely a, a hairy moment but it's cool that like rampy went over and fucking said something to him too because mm-hmm. I think you need that from your captain too. So that's that's awesome. I didn't obviously I didn't see that on TV. So yeah, um, yeah. So I I must say though I hope that the Wanderers appreciate the fact that I haven't been to a couple of games and they've they're winning. Like when was the last time you were at one? Jeez, uh, I think that, that the last one a uh, game was that was the under twenty three game. It was the last one. When I was at, Uh So have
1: you have you been since you got back from Ireland? Have you been?
0: Uh, I don't actually think I have. So you missed—you yeah. missed like three wins. Yeah, because like I think we we made this pack because you were you
1: were missing oh, yeah. I there. one of us. I'll be missing one. The next one I'll have to miss is I'm I'm going to a wedding at the end of September. So whenever that one is, then you I'm, I'm can not, finally come back. Yeah, I'm not holding off to then, but yeah, I, <laughs> I,
0: yeah, it's just it's just being funny. Like we're. Family stuff and the the timers of the games and stuff like that. It's been like the weekend I was going to go on the Saturday, but then obviously that got put back and I couldn't make the Sunday. So, um, it is what it is, but yeah, it, I've been, I've actually been enjoying watching the games on TV in, in the fact of, um, I'm not paying $14 for a beer, uh, yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. which is insane. And then it also, um, the, the, and the, the, the weird new strict policies on the patio which is
1: very I heard about that yeah yeah
0: it's That's a bit it's, it's kind of annoying and then uh so what, are they like
1: are they like blocked it off from like free traffic or yeah so, so like like last
0: season uh you know you could kind of go between the kitchen and you could walk down into the patio so it was kind of nice like people you haven't seen or you just want to go up and sample the like it was a really good way for people who hadn't been uh who didn't want to just go into the kitchen because it can be a little bit intimidating if you're not used to it, you know, mm. because there's always a lot of pe- people bounce around. So then, you know, you bring somebody up and then they kind of get to experience it. And then if they want to leave, they can, if they kind of want to hang around because it was a general admission ticket that you kind of had. But now I, I guess because uh, of the, the the liquor license, they've had to put. A, a oh, a is that what in. it is? I, I think so maybe, but it's just kind of, it's just kind of frustrating because I said it was a really good way to show people who are brand new like hey just hang around down here and then we'll go to the kitchen and check it out and then just kind of walk back down to where you were or, or stay up there for like a little bit longer but um yeah, yeah it was kind of anyway that's my my, my rant over anyway so mm-hmm. um i i did want to uh just uh i i thought that one of the most interesting things i saw through the whole game was uh
1: joe morelli's new hairdo uh, i was just going to get your thoughts on that he and well, as soon as he came on, Shep said to me, like, he looks like Boston United era Paul Gascoigne. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, it's not It's not on. I like was kind of losing it a bit. And was like,
0: <laughs> oh, God, I, I forgot he was player and manager. Can you imagine, like, how anyone would you think that that guy was suited for oh, management? I don't know.
1: <laughs> I know. I think I've said to you before, he was Kettering, like, near, near where I'm from, he was Kettering Town player manager as well for about. A week, a week, yeah. <laughs> They're like pissed on the job, so yeah. Um, I I, so I think know.
0: if you're doing that, it's basically just the uh, for the star powers. Like do you remember Baronet? You think had Edgar Davids there for like a little bit, and he yeah, wore, like, number one or something.
1: Yeah, <laughs> okay, that was
0: his breakdown.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, he, like he's I I think like Yao is a is a beautiful man, incredibly handsome. So any fashion choices he wants to make. He has, he has our blessing as yeah. under the umbrella of Down the Pub podcast. He very much has our blessing because he knows infinitely more about what looks good than you or I do. It's true. I I just you know I'm I'm kind of more just jealous of the fact that he can
0: do something like that and just pull it off. Whereas if I yeah. did it, Sarah would probably have me sectioned or
1: something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, to... I I think yeah, his best look was at the Island Games when he grew out the curls a little bit the headband
0: yeah like the little yeah yeah,
1: yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. We're, we're going
0: to start a an official campaign and i hope people can get in behind <laughs> it bring back the curls so we'll start a hashtag on, back. on the platform formerly you known <laughs> as twitter yeah yeah <laughs> so so i guess we have to kind of uh go for our
1: molson quarters uh man the so who was yours gary so I was, I was i was thinking about this during the game like I think I've just got to accept that maybe he's just the kind of player that catches my eye. But every single week I think Lorenzo is our man of the match. I don't I'm not saying he's a man of the match for this one, but I'm saying like every single week I think he's our man of the match. Um but I'm not always gonna say him because that's just weird. But he is like <laughs> like, like he is everything to us. Like some like, some of the fucking passes, like some At some point in the first half, he played this line-breaking pass from our 18-yard box, which took six of their players out of the game. It was ridiculous. It was just such a good pass. So, yeah, I think it is always Lorenzo, even when he has an average game. I still think he's the best player in the league by a million miles. But it's boring if I were to say him. So I'm going to say let's let's give him more flowers, Timoteo. I thought he was really, really good in the, in a role that's unfamiliar, a role that he's learning, solid. Yeah. How about you? Um, yeah, I, I mean, like th- Lorenzo is just
0: amazing to watch. Like I could just sit and watch him all day long, um, and he just—he's almost like a fixture in the team of the week thing now. Because you know he's—he's he's re- hit a thousand passes, and he's—it's—it's just—and and you kind of feel bad for a guy like that because he just goes about the business. And um, because we've been watching for a while now, he, you kind of expect it you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like i just remember like that first match or two where we were just like kind of blown away and it's going like, fucking hell this guy's got a bit about him and now Mm -hmm. it's just like oh it's just an average game for lorenzo it's 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 kind of 10 out of 10 it's kind of unfair you know what i mean um but i I, i'm kind of in the same feelings yeah i thought i thought that wesley was amazing and I, i think he was kind of a bit of an unsung hero on on sunday so i'm gonna give it to him too um yeah so just just a tiny little bit of housekeeping uh what do you think of the reception that Daniil Henry got when he came on?
1: Lovely, yeah. Really, really good. And again, one of those little things that you probably don't pick up on if you're watching on TV because the camera's focused in on Daniil, but a lot of the players were turning into the crowd and kind of getting them to clap as well. Oh, like, that's awesome. Yao was, was down, like, kind of in front of where I stand, and he was, like, proper giving it the arms, like, getting people going, like, gesturing for everyone to clap as loudly as possible which was that I, I really like that part of it as well because again it just shows the, the kind of the one club mentality that there's a level of empathy and respect amongst the players where they recognise that it is a big moment for Daniil and they kind of care enough because they want him to feel loved and want him to feel accepted so yeah I, I really like that sort of thing and brilliant reception for him and mate like watching him at the end run from one end of the pitch to the other with the Halifax flag was one of my favorite moments at the grounds because it came out of nowhere like I kind of well I I, when I stick around and do the applauding thing at the end I kind of just basically stay in my section I don't go to the kitchen or whatever and I was just chatting to my mate waiting, waiting for the players to make their way around and I just looked up and there he was just like bursting past us like a knight on his steed with carrying the flag. <laughs> we were like, fucking oh. hell, if he doesn't pull a hammy. So, <laughs> Can well, you I'm obviously worried about him pulling up because he was running really fast.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I love that that's kind of like an iconic thing now. Like, you know, I think, uh, was it uh, Coimbra who started Coimbra, that? Coimbra usually yeah, does it, yeah. Um, so it's kind of nice that like, um, as you said, I, I didn't see that on TV that the, the players were kind of G them up. But I guess... Part of the selling point for everybody is the crowd in Halifax, and I think that probably made them feel a little bit like, Yeah, they, were, they weren't in line, kind of thing, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that was really cool. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's nice that uh, we have another win to celebrate. Five in the trot is incredible, the Wanderers Grounds is a hard place to come again, but um, looking forward to Saturday. Um, York, York have kind of Yorker York are in that kind of. They had a good win against Valor, so they're probably on a bit of a high there. The only good thing is, is that obviously, like, it's not really playing away from home when you're playing at a kind of slightly
1: empty stadium. So, how do you think we'll do? I, I really strongly think we're going to get the first away win on Saturday. Strongly, I think a number of things, like you just said, it doesn't feel like an away game because of the lack of numbers there. Um, and also, I think having a week to prepare and having a week to prepare where you probably don't have to fly out till a friday morning so you get your monday to thursday to really prepare really kind of prepare for individual battles and the way they play again there's a good feeling around the club and yeah i, I think touch wood this saturday is going to be the one
0: yeah i think we yelled on one too so Mm. Uh yeah, do, do, it, do it for me and Gary boys. That's all I can say is we just des- <laughs> we des- we deserve this. So uh, G- Gary's been awesome. Uh, t- as I said, it's been it's so nice just the mood of the podcast is just so much nicer than what it was. Yeah, and we couldn't buy a win, so uh, it's kind of nice just to be able to have a, a bow ultra cider apple. <laughs>
1: <laughs> ultra cider.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, buddy. Um, I'll I'll hopefully see you at the next home game. Pump, please. Break right up, please. Time to drink on both Get out. Out to me.